Special note before we start the show today, just want to offer condolences to the friends and family of Dave Litvin, who I had the pleasure of working with for many years at Daily Racing Forum, first in my role uh, sitting on the side of the stage for the Harvey Pack seminars, of which uh, Dave was one of the, the most frequent guests back when, uh, back when we were doing those, and then had the pleasure of getting to know him um, as well, really sitting in the press box, and then eventually as a, a colleague over at DRF. Just a really a nice guy and influential handicapper to me. I can remember one of my first days ever at the track, grabbing the racing form, and reading his analysis, and it was very clear he was a guy who knew what he was talking about. And one of the first bets I ever made was boxing Dave's picks and hitting a nice exacta. And then he had, his books are great too. If you, you and, and I think a lot of the angles in there and things that he writes about in terms of form cycle are still things that are very relevant today. I'd recommend going on Amazon and seeing what you can find. But yeah, I just wanted to say once again condolences to his family and. Um, I was very lucky to get to know him and, and his work and influence uh, will live on. Dave Litvin, gone too soon. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our third late week show. I was always going to divide the late week into two. And then with the pick five and pick six carryover at Aqueduct, we got a, a whole other one. We're doing special stuff this weekend too, including the launch of the Marshall Graham interviews. So the Breeders' Cup may be in the rearview mirror, but no, uh, no waiting around here at uh, In The Money Media. And we kick things off by bringing in a man who's been a stalwart lately, talking about uh, Kentucky racing with us. We're going to be going over the late pick five from Churchill Downs. You know him from their simulcast feed. You know him from Expert Picks over at Twinspires.com. He's Scott Shapiro. Scott, what's going on? Good to be back, Pete. Uh, our Friday tradition continues on here, one week out from Thanksgiving. Uh, looking forward to... Like you said, I mean, the Breeders' Cup might be in the rearview mirror, but especially here in Kentucky, plenty of high-quality racing as we uh, head towards the final week of the uh, Churchill Downs 2022 calendar. Big full fields and definitely some excitement to be had. We'll start off talking about Saturday's seventh race. where We've got $20,000 claimers going a mile on the dirt. Scott, we'll have you kick this one off. Yeah, pretty challenging one-turn mile event, I thought. One of the more wide-open races on the card. I thought there was enough pace in here to make it, at the very least, honest. And I think there's a potential for it to be uh, more than honest in here. And I went with a price on top, although I will be using more than just one or two horses in here. And that's number eight, Mulberry Street. First start off the claim for Chris Hartman. Comes off a really good win against much lesser competition on November 6th. That was a non-winner's a $2,000 claimer. But uh, I thought the addition of blinkers by former trainer Thomas Hen Humphreys made a, a lot of difference uh, in the recent starts. Got the focus back for this one. And Chris Hartman, tremendous numbers first off the claim. Uh, positive ROI over the last several years here at Churchill Downs. And it just looks like this one should get the right off the pace trip at 12 to 1. But uh, I won't just use that one. I think bonus appreciation could get the right trip along the inside. Second off the claim for Eddie Keneally. I thought uh, number four, Ampersand, a horse that's uh, been from in New York and a Florida bred. Second off the claim for Matt Shirer on the class drop. Made some sense to use at 6 to 1. And then I thought uh, of the uh, logicals, I did think number 11, Blue Kentucky, 
uh, made a lot of sense. First off, the claim for Jonathan Wong, who we're starting to see a lot more in Kentucky here and expect to see a lot of him at Turfway. A little bit concerned about regression with this son of include coming off a career best effort at Keeneland. But if he can avoid regression and he should get a really good trip and probably is the likeliest winner, but the five to two price a little short. I hear that. I had Jonathan on the show earlier this week, actually, for uh, talking about KTDF and uh, the money in Kentucky and changing the way that he's chosen to operate. Certainly a barn to watch. We saw his exploits on the Northern California circuit. And if he has a a fraction of the success he did out there, he's going to be a big presence in Kentucky this late fall into winter. I did use that horse Blue Kentucky as a backup, my fear being the same as yours, just uh, price-wise, that, that that might be a little bit skinny in what could be an open race. My topic was another you mentioned, though, the four ampersand. But that was a very salty starter last time, didn't break well, did no running, but I'm willing to excuse that. And if you take that race out of the equation, fits very well at this level, and I think should be able to get a good forward trip. I agree with you um, that the pace could end up being hot, but this is a horse who has shown the ability to stalk and pounce before. I was going to mess around with the 4 and the 11, and I'll take longer looks at the 8 and the 1 that you mentioned as well. Scott, we'll move to race number 8, two-year-old maiden special weights, Six and a half on the dirt, 120,000 in the pot, field of 11 going postward. And I had what maybe is a clever idea here in number eight, surface to air. This horse just really caught the eye, I thought, on debut, running on really well after enduring a terrible trip for a barn whose winning percentage just goes way up second time out. I thought the five and the seven, um, Carcano and communication memo, were just utterly logical as well. And I was going to use to go with surface to air, but surface to air, 12 to one on the morning line. You know, I'd be happy with anything near that in race number eight. How do you see it? You should get a good price, and I agree, uh, probably a little bit better at the very least than what the running line suggests. A somewhat low-profile barn and Darren Miller didn't take much money. That was a pretty good maiden special weight event. Uh, so good that uh, I'm going to be keying in as a lone A on number five, Carcano, who surprisingly to me took a ton of money on debut on September 24th here at Churchill. 12-horse maiden special weight field for two-year-olds. You don't see Vicky Oliver take that kind of money a lot. Good trainer, solid conditioner, not really known for winning at first asking, but this horse took money and ran toward to that uh, public support, breaking slow but finishing very well, and then came back in the Keeneland race that uh, your play surface-to-air exits, and I thought ran really well again, got out of the gates better. The winner of that race, uh, Lugan Knight, is a really talented Michael McCarthy horse that appears to have a bright future, ran really well here at Churchill on debut to finish second. So I thought Carcano was the clear one to beat here. I'm going to use as a lone A. I will bump up surface to air. I had kind of as a C, I'll bump up to a B on your recommendation. I think Communication Memo Pete can win, but those are two well-beaten thirds for a, you know, to be the five, the two favorite. I didn't think those were overwhelming efforts, although I did think they were both very live races that he exits. And then a uh, first-time starter I thought worth talking about real quick is number three event detail, a $600,000 son of City of Light. Paul Loba doesn't win a lot with first-time starters, but when he does, he makes it count. 39 starts with two-year-old debut special weight runners, 488 ROI with just three winners and 39 starts. The fact that he gets Louis Saez I thought was very interesting. You don't see those two hook up very often. That's a really interesting point, and, and I definitely have noticed that 
when Saez is turning up in places where he doesn't usually with first time starters, they they're often live. That's like an angle in and of itself. I'm definitely going to follow you, uh, follow you there and, uh, and, and make, and make sure that runner is uh, that runner is in- included as well. Um, as we go forward in this pick uh, five sequence event detail in race number eight, one I will definitely be covering. Let's talk about race number nine. We're on the grass here. Phillies and mares three and up mile on the 16th on the turf. We'll start with the, the, the question. I, I wrongly just handicapped this race, assuming we were on the turf without checking the central Kentucky weather. We, we, we will be on turf here. You think? I think so because we're recording this on Friday morning. We're about to run in a couple hours and the race today is uh, remaining on the turf. So that's a good sign for tomorrow. It's been very cold. As far as I know, I don't think we're supposed to get uh, any sort of precipitation. There's been a little bit. Uh, yeah, it looks clear looking, uh, you know, balmy 21 degrees when I wake up tomorrow morning. But the sun, <laughs> the sun it will be out uh, through the next several days. So we should be fine to run on the turf tomorrow. I hope so. Hopefully it doesn't get too frozen over there. Who do you like in race nine? Tough race. Uh, not a super strong opinion, but I liked, I landed on number eight barista, uh, second start off the, of the bench for Jimmy Baker ran a good second on October 20th at Keeneland in a similar spot, taking an effort face value. I think it sets her up for a really big effort. And I would like her a little more, except for the fact that the winner of that race was Fancy Martini, who was 54-1 to and ran a race kind of out of nowhere, making me question the quality of that field. But uh, Barista is a lukewarm top pick. I'm going to also include number four, Justify My Love, who hasn't done much running in two starts uh, since arriving in the States for Paulo Lobo. But I think for some reason we're going to see the best effort we have thus far from this daughter of Agnes Gold. Hasn't shown much speed, hasn't shown much finish, but was run some – uh, against some classy individuals and did well in graded stakes company in Argentina. I like Vincent Chamino as an off-the-pace uh, rider that could get some long shots home. I thought the 10, Fair Child, made sense, although I'm not in love with the price. And I thought number seven, Undisturbed, 12-1 uh, to 1 on the morning line. I thought you could just totally toss the last race. This is a horse that needs to be up or up and on the pace and absolutely missed the break last time, really taking her out of her game. Not necessarily a win machine, two for 19, but I think the, the price will be right to include her. Yeah, I hear that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I had trouble with this race. I just went with a couple of trip horses that I had. Um, I'll start with one that you didn't mention, the two roughly a diamond who just, you know, absolute uh, no shot situation last time. And it has trouble getting out of the gate, which isn't uh, which isn't great. But in a race where there's going to be pace, maybe just a little bit better of a break and, and she can be shown to much better effect. And then I was also with you on the Madonna hunch play number four, justify my <laughs> love, who, you know, I, I feel like the last two times just hasn't been really given much of a chance at all. And I, I think the, the the jockey switch here could be could be huge for a barn that I, I, I like uh, in a trainer in Lobo who does, you know, often outperforms the odds, as you were noting before, and a horse that should hopefully get a good setup. So I'm just going to mess around with the two and the four mainly, and I'll, I'll take longer looks at the at the seven, eight, and ten that you mentioned as well, because I did not have very strong conviction in this race, just a couple horses that I felt like I, I had to play based on notes. Let's talk about the featured race, the Chaluki, this grade three. Phillies and mares three and up. We're going a mile on the dirt. We've got a field of seven. The morning line favorite is Coach, a horse we've talked about many, many times on the network before. Scott, who do you like in the big one? 
I respect Coach Pete, but there's some things to question. One, this horse hasn't run as well over a fast main track as she has an off-going. She's got three wins in two seconds in five tries over an off-going. That accounts for 60% of her wins. She also hasn't run quite as well without uh, Lasix. Her last four efforts have been some of her better efforts, and that's with the addition of the anti-bleeding medication. So I think the one-turn mile should suit her well. The inside draw probably not ideal. I do like number two, Mariah's Princess, quite a bit. I've been a fan of this daughter of Ghost Zapper for some time. I thought her last two efforts as a three-year-old were extremely uh, strong. Two big wins, easy wins, including one in a $150,000 stake event on the early part of the Oakland Park racing schedule in December. Had some minor issues, took some time off, but came back and ran a good second on October 29th at Keeneland when she was run down by La Davida from off the pace, a horse that's now two for two uh, since arriving in the States. But I thought she ran a winning race, and I think the cutback to the one-turn mile should suit her well. She's got good tactical speed, not the kind of horse that needs the lead. So I think Martin Garcia should be able to tuck in just off the early pace of center aisle and hopefully uh, be able to sustain that uh, run to the wire this time instead of getting run down. I'm with you with Mariah's Princess. Just so many things that I like. You made a great case. I thought last time that was a move into a fast pace, uh, maybe a little bit premature. Here, second time off the layoff with a good trip expected. I'm I'm pretty confident pressing up Mariah's Princess. Did you want any backups in here? I was thinking from a ticket strategy point of view of just going alone with Mariah's Princess, but open to considering some others. I think that's the way I'm going to play it, but I do have kind of two singles. I have the one uh, earlier on in the maiden race with uh, Carcano, right? And I have yep. Mariah's Princess, so I'll probably get a bigger spread in the other three races with those two singles and then use as B's in here. I I'm going to use She Can't Sing. I, I don't think she's going to be the 5 the 2 morning line price. I could be wrong. When we saw her last at Churchill, she ran in the Toluki and didn't run that well, but she got shuffled back, and that was a race that fell apart a bit in the race two back prior to that when she added blinkers was really good in fact probably faster than anybody's going to run in this race the way she ran that day so she would be a backup and as would coach and maybe if you're getting aggressive i could see ice orchid who needs to run a lot faster but is definitely moving in the right direction and there's probably another one that'll appreciate the turn back six one and four on the beeline but both of us really looking to press up mariah's princess in the featured chaluki one more race to talk about our nightcap is an allowance going a mile and a quarter on the dirt. That Kentucky Derby distance field of nine scheduled to go postward. Scott, how are we going to get paid? I'm going to try to wire the field out with number three, Strong Quality, who's listed as the second choice in here. I think the son of Quality Road is a quality animal, and I think the mile and a quarter will work to his liking. He hasn't won since coming back off a layoff from Mark Cassie, but he's run some winning races, including the last time we saw him at Churchill when he lost a tough photo to Brad Cox's open road, but I thought, excuse me, he ran a winning race that day. I don't see a lot of speed in here, Pete, and on the mile and a quarter. I think Ricardo Santana Jr. should have his way on the front end. As backup, uh, as a backup, I'm going to use number six, Complete Agenda. I'm going to toss the race here at Churchill and hope that it wasn't the Churchill Downs main track that uh, led to his poor performance, but maybe just a regression off of two big efforts, gone a mile and an eighth at Saratoga, where he got big numbers. Didn't win those races. He might just be the kind of horse that likes to plot along, but I think the mile and a quarter will suit that running style. So we'll make strong quality an A, and we'll make complete agenda a B. I'm going to try to beat War Campaign as much as it hurts me. I've been a huge fan of this horse. 
and he owes me a lot of money, Pete, over the last few starts where I've backed him. I don't want to say blindly because I've watched what I've seen, but uh, he hasn't been as good as I had hoped he'll be. I'm sure he'll run me down this time around. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to use, I was going to use war campaign. I just thought shapes like one who should appreciate the the mile and a quarter. That could be a difference maker, you know, getting, getting within a head in the state going a mile and three sixteenths and and running the high figure. I I think maybe this distance is what's going to unlock war campaign, but I had a similar wagering approach to you where war campaign was my lone B with strong quality as the lone a plenty of finish for a speed horse. You could see others in here with some distance questions, letting strong quality get, get out there and get to galloping along and I thought if you play the three and the eight, you have the best speed and the best closer. And, and that was how I was going to take a look at it, though. I, I will, you know, again, take another look at your uh, other idea, the six complete agenda, and maybe try to sneak that one on some tickets if we can as well. Tell us what's coming up at Churchill. You got uh, racing on Thanksgiving is a, is a traditional thing, right? Yes, it is. It's taken a little while to get used to, you know, being at the racetrack and having a big crowd on Thanksgiving. I felt like I used to be a DJ when I was uh, watching races on Thanksgiving, <laughs> but not here in Kentucky where it's a tradition to come out. We get a little bit of an early start, and then we have awesome racing the, the days following Thanksgiving, Clark Day on uh, Black Friday, of course, the Stars of Tomorrow 2 card on the Saturday, the two-year-old racing from start to finish. Always love those cards. And then closing day on Sunday, it'll be bittersweet to uh, spend my last day here uh, at Churchill Downs for the year. But uh, lots of good winter racing, Turfway, Fairgrounds, Oaklawn, all of that stuff coming up, of course, Southern California as well. So there'll be plenty to keep us busy, but uh, looking forward to the uh, last few days of the uh, racing here in Louisville. Well, if you don't mind, we'll put you to work next weekend too, because I definitely, you know, we got to cover the Clark. We got to do, um, I got to do something. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do the Baby Talk season finale on the on the Future Stars card. That might be a that might be a fun way to go. And sure. who knows? Maybe some extra coverage for Thanksgiving as well. We'll be in touch about that. We look forward to seeing your work both on the simulcast feed and over at Twinspires.com. Scott, thank you so much for all that you've done for us in the last few months. You've been a, a fantastic presence on the network and, and we hope to have more of you. I appreciate it. Always uh, enjoy chatting with you or Nick or whoever it might be and uh, appreciate the love. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Pete. We are proud to be partnered with the Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund. Purses in Kentucky are powered by the KTDF and have led to an incredible enhancement to the Kentucky racing scene. KTDF dollars in purses are only for Kentucky bred horses, so breeding in Kentucky is the best way to maximize profits and return on racing and breeding investments. Because of the benefits from the KTDF, Churchill Downs Racing and Kentucky Racing in general as a whole continue to be on an incredible upward trajectory. For more information, please check out inthemoneypodcast.com slash KTDF. Next up on the show, it is our weekly JRA segment covering the races in Japan happening uh, Saturday night in the USA, Sunday in Japan. And to talk about them this week, we bring back a frequent guest on these airwaves, Toshi Onokubo. Toshi, what's going on? Hi, Pete. Uh, it's it's fantastic. And this is the mile championship weekend in Japan. The you know, champion decided over a mile. As it is the only one grade one race, you know, over this distance in autumn for three years plus. And it's it's a giant field, as is typical in uh, in the JRA. We've got, I think, is it 17 different betting interests happening? 
Correct, Pete. And it's highly competitive field, you know, as we got uh, five individual grade one winners and four of them, are, you know, winner, grade one winner of the over mile. In terms of the, the top stories heading into the race, what uh, what are we looking at here? Oh, that's a good question, Pete. And, you know, I believe the interesting story would be we got the popular white male multiple grade one winner, Sodashi. Oh, sure. We've been following Sadashi uh, on these airwaves ever since, uh, really, uh, she she popped on the scene and uh, one of many familiar names in here. How does she look in this spot? Uh, exactly, Pete. And, you know, she, she's working very well and she's multiple grade one winner, three times grade one winner over this distance. However, she won it only against, you know, Phillies and mares. So this is a challenge for her. She's working very well. She should be competitive in this race. But the only question is, this is against, you know, cold and horses. Right, right. Definitely the water in the pool gets a little bit deeper. Is, is she going to be the favorite or among the favorites in this spot? What's the betting going to look like? Yeah, she's definitely the one of the favorites for sure. And probably she will be the number one favorite. Uh, but, you know, my pick would be number four, Chanel Meister. Sure. Another uh, horse we've talked about a lot on these airwaves. Klaus uh, successfully picked the Chanel Meister uh, previously. Exactly. You know, very, very good horse. Son of Kingman, four years old. Great one we know over a mile. And... Let, just please watch the Yasuda Kinen in this spring. He got beaten and very close second behind the song line. However, he really done well. And he finished in ninth last time out in the sprinter stakes. And, you know, it was first time out uh, in this autumn for him. And it was his first exposure over that distance, sprint distance, uh, 1200 meter. And mile this distance which suits him better for sure as he's never been unpraised over this distance and as i said you know this is his second time out uh in this autumn so his condition would be better for sure and christoph rumel will be, will be back on him uh the champion jockey i think everything is for him this time around and he needs to prove himself again uh at the highest level of the racing uh, interesting to see. Uh, we talked with with Klaus last week about Ryan Moore taking out a, a temporary license in Japan. He turns up here as well. Uh, what can you tell us about the horse that he's riding? Oh, very good point. Uh, the, he's riding on Sarios, uh, two years old, Grade One. You know, uh, back in twenty nineteen, he's never won Grade One since then. And actually, the last time out, he won the grade two over uh, 1,800 meter. And that was impressive. But, uh, you know, I would say that was questionable field. And uh, he's been praised in the Yasuda Kinen, the one I mentioned for Chanel Meister. And yeah. with Ryan Moore and in this barrier draw, he would have a good chance. However... You know, I think he's a praise. He he's he's for the praise bet. Gotcha, and maybe more, maybe more for underneath. It's also it's an interesting race. You know, we mentioned about the the, the there's a couple of fillies in here taking on the the Colts. You also have some three year olds stepping up. 
Um, one name that I know we've talked about in the past on these airwaves is uh, Denon Scorpion. Is, the, is that a runner who you think has uh, much of a shot when it comes to this big race on Saturday night? A very good point to mention three years old, Pete. You know, we got two highly competitive uh, three years old, Myra, and definitely Dallon Scorpion would be one of them. And he's really flying on the uphill gallop on the this, you know, mid of this week, this week. And I think he would be the one of them. But if I would pick one of them, I would go for other one, the horse called Serifos. He yep. won the grade two uh, last time out uh, as a prep race for this mile championship. He finished fourth in NHK Mile Cup. That was only grade one race for three years old over a mile, uh, you know, limited for three years old. And Danon Scorpion was the winner. However, he finished in fourth in the Yasuda Kinem behind Songline and Chanel Meister Sarius. Those, those favorite horses and just Behind those horses, he finished in fourth, Serifos. And he's come back and won grade two over a mile, a prep race for the mile championship. And he got weight allowance this time around as well. So if he's really improving from there, he should have fair chance in this race, I think. It is interesting for a three-year-old like uh, Seraphos, as far back as June, taking on the taking on the elders, and and obviously you could project in some improvement. I would think with with a few months uh, since that run, so I, I could definitely see where you're going with with that one. Now we have the Japan Cup coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. How is that race uh, shaping up? Yeah, it's very exciting, you know, as as it always in Japan Cup. This is uh, this year's, I'd say, it's forty second Japan Cup uh, in its entire history, and we got uh, six international contenders, you know, entered, but uh, actually declared only four horses, but four international runners, three from France and one from Germany, and it is very interesting and this year. I wouldn't call it the you know the best field, but definitely very competitive and open field Japan Cup this year. We're going to have some special coverage of that next week. We'll, we'll definitely um, do do some sort of roundtable if we can on that card. Looking forward to to being able to cover that. And Toshi, we appreciate you coming on and and looking at this competitive race. Return to the races of uh, Sadashi. One of, uh, one of the personal favorites of, of a lot of international people who follow the JRA. If you, if, you've, if you only know one horse in Japan right now and you're an American racing fan, it's probably Sadashi. We'll see how she gets on Saturday night. We'll see how your selection, Schnellmeister, does. And for much more coverage, folks can go over to InTheMoneyPodcast.com, Toshi and Klaus and, and the rest of the team offering uh, analysis and selections on there. Uh, we wish you Godspeed, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon. Ah, talk to you soon. Cannot wait, Pete. Thanks. Last but not least, we bring in another stalwart, a man who's been doing a great job covering Southern California racing for us for the better part of the year over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Very, very popular column over there, which you should be checking out if you're not already. He also comes on the show from time to time. Here today to talk about Saturday's late pick five at Del Mar is Dean Kepler. Dean, what's going on? Pete, how's it going? Uh, glad to be back at Del Mar. Um, it's been a, you know, the opening weekend was great. Mixture of some short price winners with some uh, nice 11 to 12 one shots. And uh, this sequence looks like um, could be a good one as well. 
Very cool. How's it been going for you wagering wise? I know you know the picks have been good, but uh, have you been able to put it together? Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I've certainly uh, doing uh, started off better at Del Mar than I did the latter part of Santa Anita, but you know it's been it's been tricky. You know, you um, you have some some horses that certainly figure, but then you have you mixed in a couple eleven to twelve to one shots that have been you know tough, really tough to come up with, and um, so it's been very competitive. There's been a ton of grass racing, which is always competitive, but you know it's certainly good for you know the pick four and multi race players that are participating. Let's dive in, my friend. We'll, we kick things off with race number five, five twenty nine Eastern. The scheduled post time for these two year old maiden colts going a flat five furlongs on the turf. How shall we start this thing off? Yeah, Pete. You know uh, Wesley Ward has uh, shown up in the past performances here, and I'm going to take his pick here at number eight, Taste for the King who exits a six-place finish in a bulky field out in Kentucky Downs, kind of on an off-track, too, which um, is interesting. He's going to get a fast track here, which I think will be to his benefit. Uh, Wesley Ward also bre- uh, bred this horse, um, and I think he's going to uh, get, get out of the gate a lot quicker than he did last time. He tracks uh, uh, Velasquez for his Southern Californian veiling here. Like I said, he's likely to show some more gate speed, and you know he's going to be my top pick in here. Makes sense. Uh, Who do you like to come with? Yeah, beneath him, number five, Rexford, is on the improve for the D'Amato barn. He comes off a good third behind a recent maiden winner, uh, Ransomware. He's the most experienced runner in the field here. Uh, that would be my next uh, pick there. A couple other things to mention here. Captain Sparrow, who's been training well, is a great winner by Spitestown. But being a big uh, formulator and trainer angle gay guy, as you know here, um, Dakota tracks Hernandez. He's going to get some money. But Barn is only one for 52 uh, with first-time starters on turf the past five years. So that's something to certainly consider if Captain Sparrow attracts a lot of money in there. Uh, I'd be willing to play against him here. But my top picks would be 8-5 in here. And I think I would uh, go with those two to start off the pick five. Makes sense to me. And that's also a good note for the next time for Captain Sparrow as well. Sometimes, you know, when you know a stat like that going in, you can really project improvement for a, a trainer as successful as as Glad is overall when you know they don't do something well. And then, you know, next time out, it's like a built-in excuse almost. I was with you on Taster for the King. Um, you can pretty much ignore that Kentucky Downs run, I think, and treat this one as a first-time starter. you got Ward in your corner, and uh, this is a very precocious damn side pedigree. I thought Taster for the King stood out in this spot and uh, probably will end up going with your Rexford as well. Looking more at that last race for Rexford, that did look like maybe a little bit of an early move into that fast pace, fractions coated red on Timeform US. So definitely an excuse for that one who will maybe make the fourth start a winning one. Let's move on to race number six. We've got stakes action here in the Desi Arnez for these two-year-old fillies. And a field of seven going postward. Return to the races of the much-hyped Justique. I thought I might try to beat her in this spot. Um, the, the horse that I was the most interested in was number six, Blessed Touch. I mean, this was just a very, very fast, huge race the last day. I suppose the question will be, can she see out that seventh furlong? But the fact that they started her going six and a half, did no running that day. But the fact that Connections thought that six and a half was a good place to debut her makes me think that maybe the seven will be within reach. I'm going to go with Blessed Touch to take out the Desi Arnaz. How do you see this one? Are you with Justique or against? 
Pete, I'm on the same horse there, blessed touch. Um, you know, normally I'd be a little suspicious of that buyer jump from 55 to 90. But the fact that, you know, the connections uh, here think enough to, you know, put him in a stake race here. Um, I think he's the real deal. Uh, he was an impressive wire-to-wire winner in that made it that maiden start there. And I think she's protected to be the front runner again today. Uh, Justique, of course, probably the horse to beat. I will try to beat as well. Uh, goes route to a sprout today. Comes out of the grade two chandelier stakes. Uh, cost a lot of money at $725,000 Keeneland purchase by Triple Crown winner Justify, of course. And, you know, he's come back to work uh, a best of 34, five furlongs and 58 flat. So, uh, you know, I'm going to probably spread here. I'm going to try to beat that horse. And then Baffert here, who you always can't throw out, has a number two parity. And this gal was a debut winner over Sloppy Track going over Churchill over a big field at the end of the end of last month. And she's trained really well since coming to Southern California. Her stable mate, Hunting Coco, also drops out of the chandelier where she was well beaten. Nearly 40 lengths, but that was going long. Cuts back to seven panels today. And I think, uh, you know, you can never throw Baffert out. He's kind of racist. So I'm going to go spread spread a little bit in here. And uh, 6-1-2 will be my top pick. But if you have a little more extra money, I'd also use the the other Baffert runner. Okay, so really the, the six is the top pick, but the one, two, and four are going to be on some tickets as well for you in this Desi Arnaz for the two-year-old Phillies. Let's move to race seven, maiden special weights on the grass. We're going a mile on the turf for the field of eight. Dean, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, Pete, in this race, you got a handful of coats and geldings that are coming out of the same uh, October 1st maiden special weight turf route. And I think, you know, the probable winner comes out of that race uh, beaten favorite number three, Quintessence, makes his third start off the bench today. Well, it's, and it's probably going to attract a ton of support. Uh, he had a, a huge traffic problems, uh, yep. stopping multiple times during the stretch run of his last start. He's reunited with Velasquez, who was aboard for a second place finish two back over this turf course. He's usually forwardly placed, and I think Quintessence is probably probably the horse to beat. Uh, he may get a little overbet here because of those um, traffic issues that we just discussed, but um, it'll be my top pick in here. Uh, number one, one more bid in Dance and Vinker. Also exit at the aforementioned October 1st race. Uh, one more bid tops the field's best left. Turf fire with an 83. Draws the whale. Should be able to save save a ton of ground and work out a trip from there. And then Dancing Vinker uh, gets the additional blinkers today. Makes third start off the extended layoff. And comes in with an improving buyer pattern, which I always like to see. So my top three in there will be three one seven in race number seven. I was with you on Quintessence. Very unlucky to still be a maiden. Meaningful trouble last time. It could be one of these situations, like we used to say on the shows, where this becomes an international bad trip horse that everyone gravitates to, like you're saying. But at anything near the 5 to 2 of the morning line, I'd be pretty happy pressing this one up on top. And then I'm going to go with the other, uh, the other Neil, well, one of the two other Neil Drysdale horses. I thought that the five, six magpies just made sense off of that. Uh, Third at uh, Punchestown, you know, the fact that this horse uh, little was expected and and ran on now turning up here. I I just have a feeling that form might stack up pretty well. Pratt attracted to ride. I was going to mess around mostly with the three and the five in race number seven, which brings us to race number eight. We've got more stakes. We've got the Cary Grant this time around. Calbred's going seven furlongs with 100,000 in the pop. A field of six, I think. 
uh, the chosen Vron, your very, very likely favorite. But I thought you could make a case to beat, actually, with big city lights in this spot. Just a pace play. Not a ton of speed signed on. Um, big city lights did get run down last time by the chosen Vron, but I thought might have a little bit more rope this time around. We'll see how it plays out. But I was going to try to go for the mild upset in this spot. Who do you like in this uh, secondary feature, the Cary Grant? Pete, I'm on the same horse. I'm going to go with number four, Big City Lights, too, who's won three of, three of his last four from Mandela. Uh, I think he's going to be on the front here. And perhaps the chosen run will have too much to do uh, too late. And I, I think this is a good spot to uh, to go with the four here for a wire, wire to winner for perhaps the, the mild upset. Another horse I was going to probably use on the ticket here would be number six, None Above the Law, who's run actually equally well on Dirt and Grace. Uh, dirt and Grass is reunited with winning rider this afternoon and probably would be the uh, most benefit of a quick early pace here. This, uh, this Gelling owns the field's top time time form USA late pace figure. And if there, uh, the four happens to get hooked here, I think uh, you know the six would be running on late. So for me, it's four, five, six. Let's move on to our nightcap. We've got an allowance race for Phillies and Mares going a mile and a 16th on the turf. Dean, how are we going to get paid? Pete, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to spread earlier in this sequence here. I'm going to stand alone with number one, Carpe Fortona, who came up a next short uh, in his last start October 2nd when attempting the wire field. This Philly stretches back out today, makes stick and start off the layoff, moves all the way to the rail. And I think uh, Hector Berrios, who's had a, tremendous Southern California last few months. I think he's going to be able to work out a nice trip from the rail here. And, you know, I'm going to stand alone here with this one as my single um, and spread it, like I said earlier in the sequence. Some others I mentioned here um, for those who would like to take a couple of other shots. Number five, Kitty Katana is reunited with uh, Flavian Pratt. Drops out of a grade three race here where she was a wide closing third. And then I also give a mention to uh, a horse that'll be a price that's Batea the 10, uh, who's drawn outside, but he's been freshened for this for Grand Motion, who has done well shipping to Southern California. And I think this, this horse adds blinkers today. He's proven over a router ground, and I'm, I'm guessing he's probably well meant for this start. So, and perhaps maybe uh, on Deeper tickets, perhaps the three Gimme Mo Baby, uh, who's also, I guess, uh, George Papadramo has another filly in here as well. They both broke their maidens over this turf course, ironically, three back. So my main, like I said, my main single is the one, and possible backups would be the five, ten, three. All right. Um, I was gonna I was gonna try to lock this one up with three runners. Kitty Katana was the one I put on top. Just makes all the sense in the world. Um, coming out of that stake race, just a, a, a handy push-button sort, very versatile, just in very good form, should get a good trip. I thought Urban Fairy Tale was one to mention, has that East Coast turf form. It's colonial, but it still, I think, sort of counts. And I like the way this one finishes up in her races. I wanted some sevens on the tickets. And then you already made the, the, the good case for Carpe Fortuna, second off the layoff. That inside draw this time around, we'll see how far she can take them. Certainly should get a good positive trip. Uh, I'm going to try to get out five, seven, and one here at uh, at Del Mar. Dean, we'll check in with you over on the blog. You've been uh, doing a great job over there in the moneypodcast.com. 
And uh, just thank you for all your help and support throughout the year. It's been great working with you. No problem, Pete. Happy to do it. And uh, hopefully we could uh, cash some tickets this weekend. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I want to thank all of today's guests. We'll thank our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, trfinc.org slash players. That's the place to go and donate and see some of the other fun collaborative stuff we have going on with them. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is BCBC champion Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kitchen. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.